Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. Good morning. I'm having fun today. This is different. This is fun. I woke up. I was like, we're going to have fun at church. We're going to play games. We're going to mix stuff up a little bit. We're going to have fun. So hopefully you'll have as much fun during this message that I'm giving you guys today that I really feel like the Lord is a continuation from last week, and it's about relationships, and it's about how we treat one another, and we really have like a couple, five or six really key things that we think will help each and every person in any relationship that they have, whether you're married, whether you're single, dealing with friends, dealing with spouses, dealing with whatever, siblings, uh, and I think these things will be helpful today. But So let's start opening up in prayer first. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for each and every mother here. Father, I just thank you for the time and the effort that they have poured into us. Father, I just pray that you bless each and every one of them today. And Father, I just pray a blessing over this word today, that you would anoint it, that you would open our eyes to what you have for us, that you would give us things that we can do, even practically, that come from your word, that are based on your word, to strengthen our relationships. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you can move anything from death to life. Anything from death to life. And so, Father, we just pray this morning that relationships that are seemingly feeling like they're dead, that they begin to move to life. And, Father, those relationships that already seem like they have life in them and around them, Lord, I pray for more life. More and more abundant life in every relationship. Father, we just also thank you for our relationship we have with you. The King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the creator of the entire universe. You've chosen to have a relationship with us. And we thank you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I like to talk about miracles. And, you know, there's the miracle of a baby. And if you do any kind of scientific research and you figure out all the stuff that happens, how that baby is developed, how that baby is grown, I mean, it really is quite amazing. It is absolutely supernaturally amazing. In fact, what usually gets me as a dad is that they were not breathing air and then they're breathing air. In a matter of a few seconds, there's a difference between those two. And I'm just like, what? How is this even possible? This is an absolute miracle. Well, I'll tell you what, moms, you are also a miracle. The ability that some of you, really all of you have as moms, to multitask, absolutely, I don't understand how you guys are able to do this. The ability that you have to have eyes behind the back of your head, I do not understand how you can do this. The ability that you have to know what's happening in another room 
as it's happening, is absolutely a miracle from heaven. God has anointed you moms with special skills and special gifts that us dads do not have. And so I appreciate that. We appreciate you. Truly, truly, being a mom is a miracle of heaven. And so we're in the middle of this series called Death to Life, and we started talking about our relationship with others. And last week we opened up with Ephesians 4, and we read through the first four verses in Ephesians. So if you want, you can open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to spend a little bit of time on the back half of Ephesians here. And while you're turning there, last week we talked about walking in unity. And how when we're walking in unity with each other, we are not walking as the world walks. Walking in unity is really not normal. Because so often you go around and anywhere you go, there is strife, there is division, there is jealousy, there is hatred. Walking in unity is actually not common. But for us as a church, it should be the commonplace in how we treat each other and how we walk in our relationships with each other, having unity with each other. We talked about walking in humility. We talked about walking in gentleness, about walking in patience, and about bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. That means even when the person is being hard to love, you bear with them in love. We talked about how we have to walk each and every day with the bond of peace. And what that bond of peace is, it's an obligation to walk in peace. If every morning you, walked, you woke up and you read a bond that you had to deliver on that day, and it said you have to walk through this day with the bond of peace in everything that you did, would it change the way you act that day? Would it change your perspective on how you operate in your relationships throughout the day? And then we talked about being in one accord because we absolutely cannot do this alone and we need God's help. We absolutely need God's help. And we talked a little bit about the practical side of things. And then we talked about what the middle part of Ephesians 4 had to do. But I want to pick up in verse 21. The middle of Ephesians 4 talked about the fivefold ministry gifts and it talked about different things that the purpose of those gifts are to unify the church. Well, I want to pick up in Ephesians 4, verse 21. It says, If indeed you have heard him, And have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. We put off the former conduct. The way we used to walk before we met Jesus, we have to actively take it off. It's It's like a pair of clothing that you have that you used to always wear and it isn't appropriate anymore and you have to take it off. You can no longer walk in the same inappropriate clothing that you have. I'm not talking about how it looks on you. I'm just saying inappropriate clothing that you have, it has to go away. You have to walk differently. And this is what God's trying to tell us here in this verse. It says that we have to take off the former conduct, how we used to act, the way we used to respond, 
We talked last week about pushing the, pushing the doorbell and how sometimes when people push our buttons, we respond and we react. What God is challenging us with is no longer reacting the same way we used to react. No longer reacting in the same way. We have to put it off. And you know what? How many of you got undressed by not doing anything? It doesn't, nobody. You have to actively do something. You have to actively put off the old man. Take off the old clothes. Say, I am choosing, I am choosing to remove this. I no longer want to act this way. I no longer want to do this anymore. I want to have a different type of relationship with my spouse. We have to actively make a change. It says that you put off. Jesus doesn't magically come down and just take, it, take off the old. We have to take it off. We have to do it. It has to be an intentional thing that we do. It says, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So what this is telling me is if we leave the clothes on, we leave the old man on, we are going to continue to walk in death in our relationships and in our lives. We have to choose a different path. The Bible says that narrow is the pathway. This is not easy. Broad is the road that leads to death. Anybody can walk down that road. But what God's saying is you have to make a choice to make a decision to walk down that narrow road. To walk that narrow road. Verse 23, it says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do we do this? We can renew our minds. How do we put on some new clothes, some fresh clothes? By renewing our mind. Day after day after day, our minds need to be transformed. Our minds need to be renewed. We need the spirit of our, and our spirit man connected with God so that when something happens, when something occurs, we can decide to make a different reaction. The scientific studies have gone on and they study the brain and they study the mind. And what happens in the mind is that when you react a certain way to a certain stimulus, whether it be whatever, if someone makes you angry and you react this way, if someone cuts you off in traffic and you react this way, the more you do that, the more you have been doing that throughout your life, you're actually creating a pathway of thought, you're creating a pathway of a response. Which means, every time it happens, your natural inclination is to go the same exact way that you were going before. Which means to me, this renewed mind, we have to make a choice. We have to decide, whoa, I, I cannot, you, actually you have to do it proactively. You have to make a commitment here in church on a Sunday morning saying, I am committing not to walk down that path when such and such happens. Because guess what? When it happens, you can't sit there and say, oh, well, let me think about this. Pastor Jason said one thing a few weeks ago about not walking down that, no, 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 you are going down that path. There's, it's a split-second decision, which means you have to actively be renewing your mind to decide to take this path instead of this path, which is the normal one you always take. And here's what happens. When you decide to go that way, and then you decide to go that way again, and you decide to go that way again, guess what you're doing? You're creating a new path. You're creating a new pathway of thought in your mind, being transformed by the Spirit of God. And now when that situation occurs, it gets easier and easier and easier to walk this path. The path of forgiveness. The path of, you know what, I'm a little bit angry, but I'm not going to lash out at you. 
There's a new path that we have to take. But we have to choose that path because this one is so easy. Because it's what we've been doing. It's what we've been doing. And a lot of times it's not even your fault. A lot of times it's what you saw happen when you were a child. It's what, what actually was surrounding you as you were growing up. And it's a generational thing that pushes you that way. And for you, it's even harder, but you have to choose to do it. You have to have that struggle and have that fight to say, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not going to react this way anymore when this happens. We must be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Verse 24 says, and that you put on the new man. We have to put on the new clothes. We have to choose to take the old man off and to put the new man on which was created according to God. Whoa. You mean when I get to put on the new clothes? When I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I get to put on a new outfit and a new clothing that I get to decide to walk in, and it's created according to God? Yes. My goodness. This changes our identity. This changes the way we think about ourselves. It changes the way we react to certain things. When you have made Jesus Christ the Lord of your Savior, church, I'm telling you, your life should become different. Your life should become different. You cannot say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and continue to stay right there. I'm sorry. This is a tough message. I won't get a lot of amens again. I'm sorry, moms, on Mother's Day. There'll be some more uplifting things later. But what I'm telling you this morning is you can't say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and stay there. You have to continue. I mean, you might be in the muck. You might be in the mire. It might, it's, I'm not saying it's easy to get out from where you are. I'm not saying it even happens immediately or overnight. It's a decision you make no matter where you're at, no matter what mud you're stuck in. It's a decision that you make that you begin to say, I'm not going to stay here any longer. And you may feel like you're crawling up a mudslide and it keeps taking you down. Don't stop crawling out. Don't stop making movement towards him. Don't stop making movements towards him. You put on the new man, which was created according to God. And how is that created? In true righteousness and holiness. How do we do it? We can't do it on your own. We're flesh. We can't do this. We can't be in relationships with each other and be in our own flesh and think it's going to go well. We need to put on the new man. We need to react as God. This is what say in all righteousness and holiness, everything you need. If you are completely righteous every day and not sinning and walking in complete holiness, you would have fantastic relationships. We have this opportunity to be able to do that when we put on the new man. When we put on what God has said. Walking in unity and walking with others is not possible on our own, but God. But God. We have to invite Jesus in to our relationships. You have to invite Jesus into your relationship. The very first miracle that Jesus did, the very first one was at a wedding. It was at a wedding. And the very first thing he did was turn water into wine. But if you read the scriptures, the first thing that happened was he was invited You can't have a miracle in your relationship if you don't invite him in. If he wasn't at the wedding, the water would not have turned into wine because he wasn't there. It couldn't have happened. It's not possible. You and I can't turn water into wine on our own. It's not possible. 
And you guys can make wine over the course of time. But I'm talking instantaneously turning water into wine. Some of you wine connoisseurs are like, sure, I can make wine. I can do that. Shoot, I do that in my basement. I know some people do that. That's great. Good for you. Patience. You must have patience to do that kind of stuff. But Jesus, he didn't need patience. He says, now. But here's the other part of the story, which was amazing. What did Mary say? What did Mary say? Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is saying, hey guys, look, the wine is out at the wedding. There is no more. I don't know what to do. But you know what? He does. This is Jesus. He came with us to the wedding. You invited him here, and so now a miracle can happen. But do what he says to do. Do what he says to do. Do we want a miracle to happen in our relationship with our spouse, with our friends, with our siblings? Then invite Jesus in and do what he tells you to do. Do what he tells you to do. And then what happens? Miracles will occur. Water turns into wine. Relationships move from death to life. When you invite Jesus into your relationship. Verse 25 it says, therefore, put away lying. So now we're going to get into some specific things. When we are walking, what does it look like to walk in with this new man? What, is it lo- what does it look like that we can walk through a day-to-day life in our relationships? What does this look like? It says, therefore, put away lying. Let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. The bond of peace, for we are members of one another. So we want to walk. As a new man and in a new relationship, we've invited Jesus in. Well, Jesus says, stop, watch what you're saying from your mouth. Stop saying deceitful things. Stop saying lying things. Stop saying things that are tearing the other person down. How can you have a relationship with someone when you continually tear them down verbally? It doesn't work long term. It doesn't work long term. You can't do that. The Bible says you can't do that. We have to be truthful. We must, and if, you know what, church? When you have a relationship with someone and the Bible says, well, we need to speak the truth. But what does it say? It says, speak the truth in love. What does love look like? Love does not look like it's harsh. Love does not look like you take someone and drag them to the line and say, well, you sinned and you did this to me and you acted this way and I'm going to drag you to the carpet and show you what you've done. That's not love. That's not love. How would Jesus do it? We have to understand how we can do this. I'm going to give you some practical things here at the end. Verse 26 then says, be angry and do not sin. Whoa, wait, I can be angry? Church, when you feel anger because of something that someone did, you have not sinned. You have not sinned. Just because you feel angry, just because someone did something to you that could have been an absolute atrocity, you do not feel bad for feeling angry. But what the Bible clearly says, it says, be angry but do not sin. It's changing the path when you get angry on which path are you going to go down. Which path have you chosen when you get angry, when the person pushes your buttons, when they do something to harm you or to say something to you that was unkind, not nice, no matter where it is, if you're at school with a friend or a spouse or whatever, you have to choose a different path. It doesn't mean being angry is a sin. It says being angry and do not sin. 
Last I remember, Jesus walked into the temple and he was a little bit upset. You remember that message a few weeks ago? He was a little bit upset about what the money changers were doing inside the temple. He started flipping tables. Oh, well, Jesus must have sinned. No, he wanted out. He wanted everything needs to get out that is not of God. So when we, and it's, it's almost like metaphorical, like when we are upset about something, the thing that we need to get angry at is not the other person. What we need to get angry at is we need to begin to change our focus on, you know what, the battle we are fighting is not against flesh and blood. So the anger, what I'm upset at, is the enemy is trying to devise and to divide my relationship. And so what I have to begin to say is say, no, this battle is not against my spouse. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against my best friend. There's an enemy trying to get in here and cause division. And I say no in Jesus' name. This is how we have to invite Jesus in. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. What does that mean? Does that mean you have to absolutely reconcile with every person that has ever made you angry before, before the sun goes down? Because you, you look at that and you say, well, well, hold on a second, that's kind of what it's saying. But what it's saying really is do not, and we said this last week, do not let bitterness take root in your heart before you end up going to bed. You have to begin to pray. You know, somebody could have done something so atrocious to you. It doesn't mean like, well, before the sun goes down, I better go run and find them and try to reconcile. No, it says it's don't let the bitterness take root in your heart. That means the very first thing when someone makes you angry before you go to bed is you need to begin to be in prayer. You need to pray and say, Lord, I need your help. I'm angry and I don't want to sin and I don't want bitterness to become into my life. Because bitterness leads down a whole path of destruction of all kinds of problems in your life. Both mentally, emotionally, and physically. Bitterness is proven to have these problems in our lives. So when you say, don't let the sun go down, on our, we, this is what we have to choose not to do. Because you know what? If, if Liz and I get into an argument and it is anywhere past 8.30 p.m., I can tell you, I am exhausted. This is a bad time of day for me. For me to try to then try to work something out or resolve something with her at anywhere past 9 p.m. at night is a really bad idea. You have to know who you are. It's like, well, I'm going to stay up all night even though I'm tired. Because when you're tired, you begin to say things that you wish you didn't say. And you end up making the whole thing worse anyway. You say, let's give that person some space. Let's pray for a little bit and resolve in your heart, both of you, to not go to bed being bitter. This is what this means. This is how we have to operate in our relationships. In verse 27, it says, nor give place to the devil. That's what it's meaning. If you begin to let that offense, right, the bait of Satan, anybody ever read the John Bevere uh, book, The Bait of Satan? This is what it is. The bait of Satan is offense. This is giving a devil a foothold in your life. Going to bed angry and becoming bitter is bringing offense into your relationship. This is what we cannot have. Does it mean maybe sometimes you have to talk about it before you have to go to bed? But invite Jesus into your relationship and do what he says to do. Do what he says. Ask the Holy Spirit. We, if you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit operating on the inside of you. 
And you now have the ability to ask any question that you need an answer to, and he will provide it for you. It says that he gives guidance, gives direction, gives wisdom in, any, in every area of our life. So ask him, what is it that you want me to go do? So don't give place to the devil. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. Good advice. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. And I know for me, as I'm reading this, and I feel like the Lord has been speaking, relationships are work. Okay? Don't be stealing your relationships anymore. Don't think that you can get something easy anymore. You cannot get a strong relationship the easy way. It doesn't happen. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take work. And that's what the Bible is telling us here. It takes work. You have to decide, I want to go do this. I want to have this strong relationship. Once you decide you don't want it anymore, it is a very difficult time to be able to bring that back to reconciliation. You have to decide up front. You know, my parents, I love them. Mom, happy Mother's Day. If you're watching on Facebook Live, she probably is. My parents made a decision before they were married to never say the D word. The D word is divorce. They made a decision not to even speak it. Now, when they got married, they weren't even following Jesus. But they came from two really not so great marriages that came together and they made a decision. You see, what they did is they had just decided, we're not even going to talk about this path. So we have to figure out each day how to come to reconciliation. We have to figure out how to work through no matter what it is, financially, physically, whatever. They made a decision. It's work. It is work. Let no corrupt word, next verse, 29, proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Oh my goodness. Back to our words again. Church, our words are so powerful. The Bible talks about words all, I mean, there's hundreds of scriptures about You just Google it for a second. Be like, are words important? What does the Bible say about words? Like, like scripture after scripture after scripture. How you say, what do the death and life and the power of the tongue. You have the opportunity to actually destroy with your mouth. You may be thinking one thing, and that thought is not from God, and you end up saying it, church, you can't get it back. You can't, it is, hey, can you ask for forgiveness with that person for you? Yes, but when you, church, when you're angry, do not sin. This is what this means. Be careful what you say. And if you're all worked up on the inside and you're feeling that adrenaline and you're feeling yourself and your heartbeat is going, I would suggest now is not the time to try to reconcile. This is a very bad time to try to reconcile with somebody. If your heartbeat is going faster than normal and you can actually feel it, how many of you ever felt the heartbeat when you get into an intense situation? Yeah, come on, I know. Like, oh my gosh, man, I must be going 120 beats a minute right now. And you sense it, you can feel it. I would suggest to you that now is not the time to try to reconcile. 
Verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, from whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Basically means to sin. It basically means to do something counter to what God has instructed us to go do. And verse 31 then says, let all bitterness, if we could walk with this. Mothers, this, could, this is like your prayer, right, every day. Could we like walk with this, with reconciliation? Could we walk in love with one another? Like this is why it's the Mother's Day message, because all moms, they just want this. This is what you want. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking, again speaking, be put away from you with all malice. And what? Be kind to one another. Kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Oh boy. Wait a second. You mean I have to forgive? Yes, you do. The Heavenly Father has forgiven you. We have to forgive. Now this is a process. I'm going to get into some practical things here in just a minute. This is a process and I get that. Forgiveness doesn't happen overnight all the time. And we have to be careful with those who are seeking forgiveness in our relationship to be frustrated when it doesn't happen immediately. But I said that I'm sorry. Well, okay, but what you did to me and how you acted to me, I need a few minutes to get over that. And so the person who is asking for forgiveness, sometimes you've got to take a little breath and say, okay, this is going to be a process. And I trust in the forgiveness process. This person has said they've forgiven me, and I'm going to let it sit for there for a little bit. Don't get angry then when they're not acting all hunky-dory. Oh, come here, give me, give me a kiss. I love you. Like, what? Get away from me. <laughs> yeah, come on. This is real. This is real stuff. This is relationships. This is what happens. You know? Oh, forgive me. Let me give you a kiss. What? Come on. It's not time yet. We'll get there. It's just not time yet. You have to give some space. Okay, where was I? Be kind to one another, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So here's a little summary. You guys ready? If you're taking notes, this is like the cliff notes at the end summary. This will help you, I hope, I pray, I believe, I know. Uh, How's that? Where did that mindset go? This was like, you know, the old path was, oh, I hope this helps you to know, I know this is going to help you. I just changed my thinking right there. Did you see that? By the words of my mouth. I'm working on this too with you guys. I promise you, I am working on this stuff. The first thing we got to do is just a summary. Invite Jesus into your relationship. Guys, you can, if you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm telling you, man, relationships are even more difficult. They are just more difficult. People are people. People are, are it's, a cha- it's challenging. We're in the people business in the church. It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's challenging. You have to invite Jesus in. You cannot do this alone. The second thing you need to do is pray. Invite Jesus in and then pray. Ask for the Holy Spirit to guide you, to lead you. Do what he says to do. Should I reconcile right now? They seem to be pretty angry. Yes or no, Lord? Do what he tells you to go do in the relationship. Maybe there's somebody that God has been putting on your heart that you need to call who you have not talked to, that you know that there's been some offense or some challenge somewhere, and he is burdening your heart. And maybe there's a person who you keep seeing or thinking about the entire time I'm talking, then the Lord, ask him, but I'm pretty sure he's saying, reconcile. Call that person. Because he doesn't want disunity in your relationships. The next thing we need to do 
is have strong communication. We must have strong communication. All those things we read about is the words of our mouth and what we say and how we say it. Being angry but do not sin. We must continue to be able to be open, to be able to talk to each other. Communication is key. If you can't talk to the person, if you can't resolve it, and you can't talk to each other, it's not going to get resolved. And the, and the thing is, is when you stop talking about the issue, when you stop talking about the problem, this is a very bad situation. When you begin to stop talking about something and say, well, I'm just going to, I'm done. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not going to, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to change. This is, this is a, this is a bad recipe. It's a bad recipe to go, once you stop talking about it, you must continue to be open to get reconciliation in these issues within your life. You have to continue. The next one is own your own stuff. This is, this is my wife. She says a lot. This is good. Own your own stuff. This is, guys, this is, don't blame others for your behavior. Own your own stuff. This is what I'm, I know where I'm coming to this relationship with. I know my past. I know what I've come up with. I know my tendencies is to react a certain way when something happens. So own it. Stop acting like someone is pushing you down that path. You have a, you're standing here. No one's pushing you down that path. You're choosing to go down the path. You're not getting pushed. You have to decide. I'm going to, you know what? I need to intentionally go a different way. So own your stuff. Next one. Give each other grace and space. We mentioned this last week a little bit. Give each other grace and space. Do you think God has given you grace and space? Absolutely. My goodness, the grace of God that he has given each and every one of us. Man, if he brought you to the line every time that you sin and just hammered you home, we wouldn't even be here anymore. We'd be like, oh, this is awful. Who wants a relationship like this? Nobody wants a relationship with that. Nobody does. But God is a loving father, a good father. He is awesome, and he gives us grace and space to grow. So you can't walk away from this message and say, well, everything's going to be perfect in my relationship. It's going to just be great. No, you're going to make mistakes. You still have baggage that you're walking through. You still have things from your past that you're working on that you have to get through. But you have to decide to give the person grace and space to grow. Grace and space to grow. It is not your job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, not yours. And what happens so many times is if you give grace in space, the Holy Spirit is the one that begins convicting that person. And they then come and say, you know what? I'm sorry for the way I was acting. You don't need to be the great convictor of all sins when it comes to relationships. You don't have to be the great convictor. You're not supposed to be the great convictor. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Now you're taking on God's job. And that's ridiculous. You can't do that. You must give grace and space. You have to understand where the person that you're having a relationship, where they came from. What are their struggles? What challenges do they have? What is their personality like? You have to get, to, it's work. You have to get to know the other person. You have to understand who they are. You have to understand how they, be, how they work, how God created them. You have to seek to understand them, and that is giving grace and space. The next one is don't let bitterness have any roots. Don't let bitterness have any roots. 
We have to give time for the Holy Spirit to operate, but do not let bitterness take root. Ooh, I'm going to save that for next week. That's good for, okay. And then the last thing I want to say is forgiveness is a process. Church, forgiveness is a process. It takes time. When someone gets upset, it takes time to cool down. We can't keep going after it, trying to get reconciliation right away. Sometimes you just need to know that forgiveness is a process and it takes time. Russ, if you can come up. Then I'd also say this. I think this is important. You're not alone in these struggles in your relationships. Don't let the enemy tell you that you are walking through this completely alone. Like, you know what? My situation is so unique and so specific that I'm certain nobody else has ever dealt with anything like this. That is not true. That's a lie. And what I'd recommend to you is to get help. If you're at a point in your relationship and you have tried reconciliation, you've done all these things, and you're at a point where you say, I don't know what else to do, pray and seek the Lord, but it is okay to get help. Church, it is okay to get help. Say, well, what do you mean? Well, guess what? The two of us here went to counseling. What? The senior pastor of the church went to counseling for their relationship? But look what he's saying. He must walk, walk through this stuff each and every day like perfection. Ah, uh, no. If I can get help, you can get help. Every one of us can get help if we need it. There are counselors out there. There are things that you can go do. Don't wait too long. And the problem is, it's church, we think that we need to be perfect and we sit in these pews and we don't tell anybody else about our challenges. We don't tell anybody else about our situations and we just sit there and we clam up and we don't get help and we wait too long. And we're so far down a path of destruction, of challenge, of hurt, and of pain. And it's, so, it's painful. And many times you say, I can't go any further. And relationships end up dissolving. Church, this hap- it happens here. It happens, in the- it happens. We don't want to ever see that happen. Get help. It's not like we're going to be able to help all of you or do it, but we will help you to get help. This is what the church does. We need to be in unity with each other. This is why you should get into a small group. This is why you need to connect with other people in the church. You cannot be out there on your own. You, we need help. So invite Jesus in. Do some of these practical things. And at the end of the day, as you're walking through this, if you feel like you need to get help, then get help. Don't wait. We wait too long. And that's pride, church. It's pride. It's pride because you think that you somehow can be, do it on your own. You're walking in pride. And what happens to people who walk in pride? Destruction. So I want to end with some good news. Because guess what, church? Jesus turned the water into wine. 
And you can leave here on Mother's Day and say, you know what? I have some real good practical things that I now can do, that I can walk in to strengthen my relationship. I can take some of these things and move a good relationship to a great one. I can move some of these things to say I'm in, a, I'm in a tough relationship and begin to see some light in that relationship. We serve a God who is the God of light, not the God of darkness. He is moving every one of our relationships into more and more light. And when there is light, there is freedom. Where there is light, sin can no longer stay. Where there is light, there is joy, there is happiness, there is rejoicing. And so I want each and every one of your relationships to move into the light. From death to life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you see each and every person here. You see every one of their relationships that they have. Spouses, grandparents, siblings, friends. You want strength in those relationships. You want light in those relationships. So Father, I ask you now that you bring light and life to every relationship that is represented here. Bring it now, Lord. We ask for it. We receive it. Father, bring it now. Father, help us to choose the path of life for our relationships. Father, we're inviting you in today into our relationships. By your strength, by your power, we will take off the old man and put on the new. We will choose to take a new path when we're angry. We will choose to give grace and space. We will choose to forgive. But Father, we know we cannot do it alone. And so we ask for your help this morning. We ask for your help. We're not going to ask anybody to raise hands who are having a challenging relationship because it might be with the person you're with. But Lord, you know. And this message was for certain people for certain time as this. And so, Father, I pray now strength in relationships. I pray now light in relationships. I pray now for reconciliation of relationships. I pray now, Father, that you will take things that were meant for death and turn them to life. Life, life, life. And, Father, as we close, we just want to pray for all of our moms. the video so wonderfully put, there are moms of very different kinds. So Father, I ask for strength for those moms. Day in and day out, they're in the grind. So Father, I just pray for strength for them.
I pray for a strengthening of relationships between moms and their children. I pray, Father, this morning for those children who have walked away from you. We are calling them home today in Jesus' name. On Mother's Day 2019, the hearts of the moms are crying out and we are in agreement with them that the prodigal sons and daughters return home. And Father, we rejoice in that. We look forward to seeing that manifest. And we thank you most of all that you are a good, good God. You are a forgiving God, a God full of grace, a God full of love. And we thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, if you have any prayer requests in your life, if you want someone to agree with you in prayer, we will have some small group leaders coming up here to the front. They can pray with you about anything. If you need to make Jesus your Lord of your life, your Savior, then come up here and see me afterwards. Don't go another day. Mother's Day is a great day to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. So don't miss that. Otherwise, you are dismissed. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.